name's Royce. I'm going to be sharing with you today. Hello. Hello. I haven't got time to say hello to you all. Actually, I do. I've got 30 minutes. Hello, Fenton. Hello. No. It's amazing leading on after a child dedication, and we're in a series called 100%. And my topic today is profitable stewardship with the subtopic of debt. And what we saw here just a moment ago was the most important stewardship that we have, stewardship of our young people, the stewardship of lives. You know, we think of the word profitable stewardship. What do we think of? We think of money, moolah, doremi, bread. Any other names for money? Dosh, yeah, yeah. dosh, gone. It's another word I think of when I think of money. Disappear. This is not in the script. Where am I going with this? But you know what? It's not just about money. Actually, money is only a very small part of our profitable stewardship. Because we're actually stewards of more than money. We are stewards of hope. We are stewards of vision. We are stewards of life. We are stewards of joy. We are stewards of the word of God. We are stewards of relationships. We are stewards of love. You know, stewarding money is a small part of that. And I'm going to focus on the stewardship of money. But the reason God wants us to have profitable stewardship of money is so we can better support our stewardship of other things. We are profitable stewards of money and things that are tangible, things that you can see and touch and feel. That stewardship supports our stewardship of the greater things, the things I just spoke of, hope and life and relationship. And that's why God wants us to look after our money well. That's why God wants us to look after our cars. Who arrived here in a car today? You made it, so you must be an okay steward of your car. Otherwise you wouldn't be here. But why is that important? We need to steward those things that are seen well so we can be better stewards of the things that are unseen. And I'm going to keep coming back to that through the message. But I'm talking about finances. And when you're talking about finances, you need a disclaimer. Because I'm not a financial advisor, so here we go. (laughs) The information provided in this sermon is generally in nature only. It does not constitute personal financial advice. The information has been prepared without taking into account or much effort your personal objectives, financial situation or needs. Before acting on any information during this sermon, you should consider the appropriateness of the information having regard to your objectives, financial situation and needs. I'm starting to sound like a Harvey Norman ad. I practiced saying it fast. I couldn't do it. Slide two. Royce is not a financial advisor, is being redeemed by Christ and can testify to God's goodness and faithfulness. He can also testify that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So anyway, if you hear anything today, consider it first before you take the advice. Why? We start, I started talking about why. We need to be good prophets of the things we can see and touch so that we can be better prophets of the things we may not be able to see. Think about this facility here. 
you might have been coming here for a while or you might be brand new or you might be watching online. Either way, you are participating in this service today because of the profitable stewardship of many generations that came before us. Who's warm here this morning? Who's not? I mean, the air conditioning in this place, you know, it's probably hundreds of thousands of worth of dollars. Is that right, Wayne? And we've spent a lot of time and effort making sure this facility is comfortable. Something like 15,000 people come through this facility every week. Is that correct or am I making that up? Or is it more than that? Monthly, monthly, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exaggerating already. That's unlike me. 15,000 a day, it's amazing. Even 15,000 a month's a fair bit. What's that per day? A few. Half of, half of 500? I did that pretty quick. 15,000 people a month enjoy this facility and come through here. You know, the Hope Lounge, which we're a part of recently, setting up that Hope Lounge as a comfortable spot. There's people in it all the time. And people that, you know, may not be part of this church community, but they're part of the community that enjoys this facility. We've got a gym. Who goes to the gym here? Not me. <laughs> but people do. People go to gyms, apparently. And we've got a gym here. We've got a great children's facility as part of our profitable stewardship. And so many families have benefited from that. Awesome playground out there. Great barbecues. Speaking to me right now. We've got, you know, two awesome auditoriums. This auditorium here with all the gear we've got, the lights, the cameras, the action... <laughs> I'm weird, I got my first weird comment, um, is, you know, it's all part of our profitable stewardship and it's one of the best auditoriums in the state. Who believes that? You know, we are streaming live online this morning and that is all part of our profitable stewardship. We do wrist and visits via Skype apparently. It's incredible. We've got a food pantry. We've got all of these great things that we do that support our community, and the, so that we can be good stewards of relationships and lives through our good stewardship of money. That's the reason we steward our money well. You know, we have a vision here at Door of Hope, and our profitable stewardship supports that vision. And the vision is this. We want to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in this fragile and uncertain world, and in order to do this, we aspire to be Jesus-centred, others-focused, doing so together in community. You know, it's hard to be a door of hope if you don't have a door. <laughs> We've got lots of doors. We've probably got hundreds, hundreds of doors. We've got a great facility and that helps us to fulfil our vision. It's in, in support of that. Let's drill down to our own lives. So let's explore this concept of being good stewards in our own lives, profitable stewards. So there's a verse in Luke 10 and it's coming up on the screen now. It says this. Jesus answered by telling a story. There was once a man travelling from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho. On the way, he was attacked by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up and went off, leaving him half dead. Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, you know, it says luckily. But when he saw him, he angled across to the other side. 
Then a Levite religious man showed up. He also avoided the injured man. That word luckily, it wasn't all that lucky, was it? Because the priest didn't stop. But then the Samaritan becomes the hero. He was travelling the road and he came on him. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds. Then he lifted him onto his donkey, led him to an inn and made him comfortable. In the morning he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper saying, take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. You know what? Out of those three, and this is the, the Good Samaritan. It's a, it's a fairly well-known Bible story. But you know, the Samaritan was available and also ready to bless that man that had been stolen. Did he know him? I don't think so. doesn't seem like he knew him. But he was prepared in his life to bless this person who he didn't know. You could imagine him walking past and maybe he saw the man and he felt compassion and he felt empathy and he thought, I need to do something here. I might be doing this or that today, but here's a man that needs my help. And he was ready to do that. He obviously had the means to help out. I don't know how much two pieces of silver was, but if you think about it in today's terms, he... You're talking about several hundreds of dollars that he had at his disposal. And in that moment, he had the freedom to choose to spend that time and that money on this guy that he didn't know. And, you know, that's where God wants us to be in our lives, in our profitable stewardship of money. So that we are ready and available for him to use us in circumstances in people's lives. So that if we, we feel a heart pull on our heartstrings at particular times in our lives when we hear of people's stories and plights and, and we, we feel like, I need to do something about this. And that's a great thing. If we can be that sensitive to, to God in our lives that we can feel that pull on our heartstrings at times. But that's the first part. The second part is to be ready and available. Have you ever had those situations where you thought, I wish I could do more? Profitable stewardship is about avoiding that so that we, we are ready and we're available for God to use us in a financial way to bless others. Tony last week spoke and she stole my scripture. <laughs> it's all right, I'm stealing it back. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 to 11. The great scripture. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. I love those words. Full-formed lives, robust in God. <laughs> the Samaritan had... A, a full formed, it seemed like he had a full formed life that was robust in God in that moment. Because a full formed life, in my view, that's robust in God is available and ready to bless in a sustainable way. He was able to give that money and it didn't, hopefully, it didn't put him into debt. You know, that's what a robust life looks like. We are ready and as we've lived our lives, we've made decisions along the way which puts us in a great situation and a great predicament to bear blessing to others and not just today but every day and in a sustainable way, going from strength to strength and from glory to glory, being a blessing to others. 
You know, one last point on why it's important to be profitable stewards. It's a story of Zacchaeus. And it's in Luke 19. I don't have the scripture up there because it's quite long, but I'm going to tell you the story. So Jesus was walking through Jericho and this tax collector called Zacchaeus found out about it. He was a pretty short guy by the sounds of it, so the, the only way he could get to see Jesus was he climbed this tree. Anyway, he climbed the tree and he's up there and he's looking over the crowds and there's people everywhere and there's Jesus. And he wasn't expecting this, but Jesus called him down. He said, come down, I'm going to come to your house for lunch today. And Zacchaeus is like, wow, I didn't expect that. Jesus is coming to my place. I can't wait. Now, I imagine that Zacchaeus, he was quite well off and he'd been a tax collector and he had accumulated his wealth by dishonest means. He'd ripped people off and he'd, he'd been a bit selfish and he'd done the wrong thing. But in doing that, he created this wealth. I can imagine he would have invited lots of people around to his house for lunch. His mates, you know, people in the community, prominent people. And he would have been so proud of what he'd accumulated. And they walk in and he goes, look, and here's, here's my second living room and there's seven bedrooms and there's this and that. And, and, and he would have enjoyed that. Who wouldn't? But I think this day was probably a little bit different. And Jesus has that way of doing that with us. You see a situation in your life and suddenly what was one way, you suddenly see in a different way. And I believe Zacchaeus had one of those Jesus moments. Because all of a sudden, what he thought was his accumulation that he was proud of, maybe suddenly he wasn't so proud Maybe suddenly he realised that this wealth that he had, he'd actually accumulated it at the expense of others. And suddenly Jesus being there made him realise, I need a change. And that's my prayer today for, for us in our situations, whether we're well off or whether we're not so well off, and we may even be in, in debt and we may even be stressed about where we are financially. But my prayer today is that we'd have a Jesus moment in our, in our profitable stewardship if we need it, and most of us do, that makes us see our situation differently and makes us make a great decision and make a change. And Zacchaeus had that change in that day. The Bible says he, he went on to say, um, I, I've defrauded people, but I will do certain things. Master, I give away half my income to the poor, and if I'm caught cheating, I pay four times the damages. Jesus responded to that. Today is salvation day in that home. There was something different about Zacchaeus in that day, and that's my prayer for us today. The interesting thing about that is Jesus went on to tell a parable next. It says, while he had their attention, he told this story. And he tells the story about the talents. So there was a man descended from a royal house who needed to make a long trip back to headquarters to get authorization for his rule and return. But he called his ten servants together and gave them money and said, operate with this until I return. The story goes on that some of them did quite well. And the master comes back and they all tell their story. One of them said, I doubled your money. And he said, great, you doubled my money, awesome. Awesome. Another one said, I made a 50% profit on your money. He said, 
Great, well done. And he put them in charge of more because they were good stewards of the little. But the last one said, here's your money safe and sound. I kept it safe for you. And in the story, the master wasn't, wasn't happy about that. And, you know, I read that as Jesus telling us that he wants our money to be available. He wants our money to be available. You know, we're, we're talking about 100% and things we hold on to tightly. And money is an important thing to get right because it, it can just bless in so many different ways. But I believe this parable, and it was in context of, of, the, of the story of Zacchaeus, because it leads straight on from there. I believe in this parable, Jesus is telling us that he wants our money to be available. He wants our resources to be available. He wants the people in his community, in his church, to have lives that are free and open and available to others so that we can, we can be a blessing to others and we can attract people with our lives and we can attract people with, with our generosity. We can attract people into our great facility. We can attract people into our great homes that we've accumulated because of profitable stewardship. Yeah, we've got to get rid of this thinking that, that money's a bad thing. Yeah, there's a, there's a verse that's misquoted that money is the root of ev- all evil. But it doesn't say that. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And, you know, one way to stop loving your money is to start giving it away. You can see Zacchaeus' response, I give half of all I own to the poor. He had this love of money. He realised that Jesus was able to come into his life and change his mindset. And he was, he, the first thing he did is, is he started to give it away. He started making it available. That's what we need to do. So that's a bit about the why. Now a little bit about the how. And this is the financial bit. So thinking about that disclaimer, this is where it comes into play. So money has this practicality to it. And, you know, um, I have a beautiful wife who's very organised and... Uh, we have a very good budget and financial statements. I'm also involved in boards and different organisations where I get to help steward the finances of those organisations. And there are two main tools that you need if you want to be a profitable steward of money. The first one is what is called a profit and loss statement. And it's pretty simple. It's just about tracking the money that comes in versus the money that goes out. Does that sound pretty simple? Let's repeat that. Money comes in. Money goes out. You got that? One more time. Money comes in. Money goes out. I think we know that. (laughs) It's simple. You should have more money that comes in than goes out. That's profitable stewardship right there. You should have more money coming in than goes out. And we've got this very good, complicated spreadsheet that we run in our, in our family and in our lives. And it's simple. That spreadsheet holds us accountable and makes sure that what comes in is more than what goes out. And that creates a gap. Sometimes that gap's called a profit. And in business, it's quite simple. It's a profit and loss statement. And, you know, there's a lot of... Uh, courses you can do about how to read a profit and loss statement, but it's simple. You read the line at the bottom and it should be positive. It should be a profit. And our lives need to be the same. 
At Door of Hope, we run a profit and loss statement. And we're always making sure that we've got more money coming in than goes out, or at least a balanced profit, where you're not spending more than, you, than, than is coming in. So as you build up those little bits of profit, you create what I like to call a seed bag. You see, the Samaritan had a seed bag because he, he must have lived his life in a way where he had more money coming in than goes out, which meant he had some in his pocket, which meant when he saw that guy by the side of the road, he was able to do something about it instead of just thinking, I wish I could help. So he had this seed bag. And I like to think of it as a seed bag in our lives, that you, you generate wealth and you build up wealth. Why? So you can be rich? No, so that you can take opportunities when they arise. The second thing is a thing called a balance sheet in business. There are other statements as well, but they're the two, they're the two main things, a balance sheet. And a balance sheet is simply this. What you own is more than what you owe. Let's say that one together. What you own is more than what you owe. What you own is more than what you owe. And you know, that, this one's a little bit harder to get right. Up until recently, I didn't know what my balance sheet looked like personally. But guess what? I found a little tool in the Commonwealth banking app. And who does, who does internet banking and who has an app on their phone? Yep. In most of those apps, there's a thing called portfolio. And you can use that portfolio to track how you're going in terms of what you own versus what you owe. And so what you do is you, you simply make sure that what's coming in is greater than what's going out, which creates a gap. You put that gap to good use, and that gap means that your net wealth or what you own becomes more than what you owe over time. That, in a, in a nutshell, is what, a, what I believe a robust life looks like. You've got more money coming in than goes out, and that profit is being accumulated over time so that eventually you can retire. Wouldn't that be a nice thing? Retire with, with a bit of money in the bank. And you're also available with a nice house that people can share, a nice part of a nice community with great assets that we can use to further the purpose of God's kingdom. And that's what this is all about. There's one little thing that gets in the way, though, and it's a thing called debt. So, you know, debt is this thing that happens in our lives when we don't get that first one right. So there's less money coming in than going out. So instead of having a nice gap or a nice profit, a nice bit of sustainable wealth, we have debt accumulating. And actually, we're going backwards. And actually, if we're the Good Samaritan and we're walking past somebody in need, we actually can't sustainably help them because we ourselves need help. And if we do reach out and pay for a hotel on our credit card, yeah, they're blessed, but we're getting worse off. The thing is, in our society, it's much easier to accumulate debt than it is to accumulate wealth. There's a number of reasons for that. One thing is interest rates. Interest rates on savings is pretty low. 
But interest rates on credit cards, some of them, I looked it up. I haven't had a credit card for a while because I'm really bad with them. That's another thing you need. Anyway, we'll talk about that in a minute. 21% interest on some of these credit cards. The banks scam us. They scam us. They're the modern-day Zacchaeus, some of the banks. Do you work for a bank? Well, sorry. <laughs> but it's true. They pay us minuscule amounts on our savings and on our investments, 3 4%. I've got an investment. The guy told me I'd earn 6%. I'm lucky if I'm earning 3%. It's hard to accumulate wealth. It's easy to accumulate debt. And what happens is, as that debt accumulates, with those interest rates... It gets bigger faster than wealth does in the other direction. And also, we buy things that depreciate straight away. You go and buy a holiday on a credit card, and guess what happens? As soon as you've bought that, it's worth zero. Maybe some good memories. It's okay. But it's worth zero. And now you're paying it off, and you're paying interest on that. And you see how it happens? And sometimes we get crises in our life. This is about being ready for those crises in life. A few things on debt. So some of these interest rates, there's some, I looked them up. They give you the first 15 months interest free and then it reverts to 21.7% interest after that. So what you do is you have a credit card and it builds up and it gets maxed out. You think, oh... I haven't got any money now. Right. Oh, I can transfer from this credit card to a new credit card. Beauty. And so that becomes zero and you put it all over here and it's interest-free for 15 months. You think, great. But you haven't fixed the problem. The problem is that the money coming in is still less than the money going out. So all that happens is the debt just fills up that bucket that you've just created. And so suddenly you've got two credit cards that are full. And so you get another one and you go, right, I'll shuffle this. And you're just shuffling debt around, but you're actually not helping yourself. You're not helping the situation. How do I know this? Because I did it. I did it twice. And my wife had to pick up the pieces. I wasn't going to talk about this, but it's important. And you know what? When that happens in someone's life, even a Christian's life, there's this shame that comes with it. I remember coming home once and my wife had the credit card statements out. <laughs> she found it. She found the mess I'd created. I felt horrible. And I had one of those Jesus moments just recently. And I've never had credit cards again. And we're now in a position where we can bless. We're now in a position where the money comes in greater than the money going out. We're now in a position where we actually own more than we owe. And I'll tell you, it feels great. It feels so good to be free. That's what God wants for us in this place. He wants us to be free in the area of money. He wants us to be free from debt. He wants us to be available, have our money available so we can be a blessing. And he wants to help us do that. <coughs> the last time I did that, God did a miracle in my life. That debt, I made a decision. I'm not going to do this anymore. 
And instead of doing the credit card shuffle thing, I said, right, it might be slightly more interest, but I want to get a personal loan and I'm going to put all of it in there and that'll mean that I'm not able to access any more debt and I'm never doing credit cards again. So I put it all in here. I thought, I'm going to pay this off. I'm going to work my way out of this situation and I'm going to, you know, it's going to be hard work, but it's going to be worthwhile. And, you know, God did something amazing. In that week, that debt, within one week of that decision, that debt was cleared miraculously by God. Not only that, but there was the money that came in was above and beyond the debt, so now I had money in the bank as well, and God turned my life around. I'm not making any promises today, but I know that God wants some of us here today to make a decision and to decide, I'm not going to do this anymore. I want to get out of debt, and God, I want your help. I want to get out of debt, and God, I want your help. And I'm not saying God will do in your life what he did in mine. Maybe your road's different than mine. Maybe you, you, your road's, you know, maybe you'll have to work your way out of debt. But the destiny is the same. Financial freedom, profitable stewardship. It's important. I've got a little clip I want to play just in finishing. It tells you why this is important. And then I just want to um, wrap up. This is a clip from my childhood. Some of you will um, recognise it. It's by the Christian Television Association. <laughs> they were classics, weren't they? And it's about this thing called money. So let's have a look at it. In the jungle one day, in a land far away, the king was collecting his rent. All the animals came, rich or poor, just the same from wherever the message was sent. But the crocodile green with his temper so mean said he'd wasted his money on games. So the king said, you'll pay or in the dungeon you'll stay eating spinach and burnt toast and brains. The croc said, no, no, not that, please, and fell down on his knees. So the kind king forgave him his debt and sent him away forgiven that day. And the croc said he'd never forget. But the crocodile green with his temper so mean found a monkey to take for a ride. Pay me, he said, or I'll eat you instead and I'll gobble you right up inside. The monkey cried out and his friends gave a shout and the king came running to see. He's learned nothing today, so take him away. Let the poor little monkey go free. Now our Father in heaven, through the son that he's given, forgives us our sins and our debts. And he expects us to not make a fuss, but like Jesus, forgive and forget. Hey! I saw some of you talking along to that. Who remembers seeing that ad? Yeah. Who's glad it's not on anymore? <laughs> you know, the band can come up um, ready to play. This thing, that, it's a funny little ad, that, but it comes from a parable in the, in the Bible that Jesus talks about. And what's interesting is there are many examples in the Bible where financial debt is likened to spiritual debt. And, you know, God often takes something that's tangible and easy to understand to explain a spiritual principle that mightn't be as easy to understand. And so he talks about... In, in a lot of situations, he talks about the debt of sin or the, the debt that we have to God because our lives are sinful. 
And he takes that debt away. And he took that debt away with his son Jesus on the cross. He paid our debt, our debt, our life debt to him, the sin debt. But he likens, in that story, he likens the sin debt to a physical debt. That's why I think it's important, another reason why it's important to get this right. Because our lives should be shaped by God and whole in every way. You know, if people are looking at our lives as Christians from the outside, they should see a great example that makes sense to them, that could potentially lead them into a faith journey because what they see makes sense. You know, if people see us as as believers and they think, oh, he's got something, but oh, he's, you know, he's in a lot of debt and this part of it doesn't make sense to me. And I think God doesn't want that for our lives. I think he wants us to have lives that make sense and people can look at our lives and see an example. And, you know, I'm not saying we should be perfect. None of us will, you know, it's a hard thing to think that we'll be perfect. But, you know, this is one area where our lives can make sense and where that analogy that Jesus uses comparing the sin debt to physical debt can make sense to people looking under our lives. You know, um, in the paper, in the jungle one day, no, in the paper one day, it was in the domain guide in March. There's some stats there. Six out of ten people are stressed or losing sleep due to debt in Australia. Six out of ten. The average level of household debt for each man, woman and child rose from $12,000 in 1990 to $93,000 now. $12,000 in 1990 to $93,000 now. Back then, there was $70 debt for every $100 income. Now it's $200. For every $100 of income in Australia, there's $200 worth of debt. It used to be 70 back in 1990. This is, you know, if, if you're here and you, this is speaking to you because you know you've got a bit more debt than you'd like and it keeps you awake at night and you're worried about it and you're stressed about it, God wants to free you from that. God freed me from that. Hats off to my wife who helped me. You might need someone like that around you. You might be here today and you've got it all together financially and that's great. And you might think this message isn't for me. Well, it is for you because there might be someone in your life who you can help as well. Through these simple things, keeping a budget and sticking to it, accountability. You know, a CEO in a company runs a budget that's approved by a board usually. Even a CEO at the top of a tree in a company is held to account. We need accountability in our lives. I want to give you a chance to respond today. If you, you feel like you need to respond to this message and you, you need to make a commitment to God today. Say, God, yes, I haven't been as good with money as I need to be. I'm worried about it. I'm in a bit of debt. And I want to respond to you today. And I want your help. If you want to make that commitment today, then I'd encourage you to do that. So we might just close our eyes. And I'm not even going to open my eyes. God knows who it is this morning who needs to respond.
So I just want you to raise your hands if you're responding to God. Raise one hand if you want to respond to God today. Let's not do this lightly, though. Let's, let's only do this if we're ready to. And just say, God, I want to respond to you today. You know my heart, but you also know that I haven't been the best with money and I need your help to overcome. I hold myself accountable to you today and I put this money problem down before you. I lay it at your feet, knowing that you are the best steward of us all. You are the ultimate steward of our lives, which includes our money. So as we, as we just do that today, I'd love you to, um, let's just put hands down right now. You can open your eyes again. I'd love you to make those steps in your life. And if you need help, find someone who can help you with this. But I believe God wants us to be different to those stats. I believe God wants the church to be different to those statistics. That we can be profitable stewards, free from debt and wealthy, and that that wealth could be an amazing tool in the kingdom of God. Amen? Awesome. Thanks so much.